0: Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash Elite. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. From the pocket pal to a full-size national event tree, Portatree has quality products designed to meet our needs. PortaTree products are the perfect gift for the racer in your family. Use promo code JINGLE10 to get 10% off your PortaTree order now through December.
1: In addition, today's podcast is presented by the 3rd Annual K&N Spring Fling Million presented by Optima Batteries. Huge news for the 2018 Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas. Peter and Kyle have upped the ante once again. They have doubled the main event guaranteed purse and the winner will now get a guaranteed two hundred thousand dollars minimum, and it can only go up from there. Not to mention raising the surrounding races to thirty k each.
2: Welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Introducing your hosts the multi-time world champion cool hand luke bogacki and the golden voice of drag racing big jed jared pennington
1: hello everyone and welcome to the sportsman drag racing podcast with luke and jed i'm big jed jared pennington he's cool hand luke bogacki thank you for finding us wherever you find your podcast and allowing us to be a small part of your day the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast will be a weekly review of what's happening or what has happened in sportsman racing. Luke and I will be talking about all of the hottest topics, drivers, and events in racing today. Big Jed,
0: happy anniversary.
1: Hey Man, <laughs> happy anniversary to you as well. Who who would have believed it?
0: <laughs> Not many. We have uh, <laughs> This is officially episode 53 of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I look back, it was... The last weekend of November 2016, when we released our first episode, actually released a three-episode series, and, uh, yep. and we've been at it every week since. So they, they said that we would never last, Big Jed.
1: <laughs> well, they didn't know what they were talking about. This show is just too darn good. Uh, it, really, it really was a surprise to me that we made it a year as well, Luke, and that we got it done every week, but you know, thanks to our listeners for giving us a reason to keep doing it every tuesday or wednesday or whenever we can fit it in it's uh it's been a lot of fun and it's come a long way
0: yeah no doubt when you see the number of listeners and racers that are downloading and listening to the sportsman drag racing podcast each week and obviously as we've talked in the past we're lucky enough to get feedback from a lot of you on a personal level whether that's face to face or via email or via text yeah. and with all of that going on like it just it feels like you guys want more, and it feels like something that needs to be done every week. So we've uh, we've been able to keep up with our end of the bargain. It's it's been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it's been cool. My favorite part is the the more experienced racers and the less experienced smart device owners that uh, always <laughs> ask me, "Hey, how do I how do I listen to that radio show you and Luke do?" And I try to start explaining it to them, and sometimes they get it, sometimes they don't, but it's still been fun trying to explain it.
0: We uh, we talked about this off the air, Jed, last week when we got done recording episode 52. Said, you know, for a for a nice look back and maybe a little bit of perspective, we should go back and listen to episode triple zero. I don't know if you did that. I was actually traveling over the weekend. I, I, uh, I sold my Corvette and delivered it to its new owners, met them in Little Rock. So I had some time on the road and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll listen to episode triple zero. Which is obviously the first time that I've heard it in over 11 months. Man, let me just say to those of you that have been with us from the beginning, my hat's off to you. Because I listened to that and thought, good lord, there is no... Not that the content was awful, like I don't know, and this may be more of an indictment on us in the show than it is than it is praise but like i don't know that our content or our approach has changed a whole lot like i could see us saying a lot of the same things that we said a year ago today but like the actual production value of the show like that was back before we hired rj and i was putting this together myself and i admittedly had zero idea what i was doing and i listened to episode triple zero through a headset And at that time, like I got one of the settings wrong and like you were in my left ear and I was in my right ear and my volume was like way, way higher than yours. So while you're talking, I could literally hear me breathing. It was awful. Like to anybody that listened to that and wanted to listen to another show, you guys
1: are awesome. (laughs) I mean, <laughs> yes. Thank you guys very much. <laughs> I didn't go back and listen, Luke, but I didn't figure I was going to have to. I you thought you'd explain it really well. You didn't miss anything, Big Jed.
0: I, like I could say, <laughs> on a first level, like a lot of the things that we talked about, I don't know that our outlook has changed a ton, but I'm interested because we hadn't talked about this, but a year later, Jed, what is the one thing that you know now that you didn't realize prior to recording this podcast every week for the last year?
1: Yeah, I wish I could narrow it down to one thing, Luke, but I I really don't think I can. Uh, I do know now that we can just come in here and talk racing and and the things that are happening within our sport and every thought doesn't have to be scripted. You can just kind of go off the seat of your pants and give your thoughts without having... You know, I thought in the first few shows it had to be perfectly written, and I know you spent a bunch of time in that area as well, but that obviously is not the case. Uh, I know that people listen and they hear what we're saying, which is, again, a surprise to me, but I do hear a lot of feedback from people about things we say on the show, so I know they're not just passing the time, they're listening intently, so that's pretty cool, and uh, I know our listeners appreciate the show and they look forward to, to hearing it every week. We've seen cases where we are not on time or as close to time as we want to be. And we, we hear, Hey, man, where's the show? You know, it's noon on Wednesday and we haven't gotten it. So that's cool to think people appreciate what we're doing. And, um, uh, I also know it ain't easy fitting the show into my schedule every week. We have <laughs> maintained our commitment of doing it every week for a calendar year. And uh, that ain't easy. I know it hadn't been easy for you. Heck, you've done it from Utah and, Las Vegas and everywhere else across the country, but it's been some challenges that I didn't anticipate, but man, it's been really, really cool. It's been a blast doing it.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's funny when you look back, like I remember when we had Willie Burnett on with us and I meant to pull up all the log of episodes so I could tell everybody, check out Willie on episode 13. I don't remember what episode it was. Sorry, but. I'm pretty sure this didn't make the cut. I think we were talking off air, but Willie got done and he was like, man, I was so nervous. Like, how do you guys do that every week? And I remember (laughs) us telling him that one of us telling him, you know, when we first started, we were really freaked out, too. And we got to the point where we were really scripting things out and we probably had six hours invested in a." 50 minute show, you know, it's kind of ridiculous when you step back and look at it, but you just wanted to make sure that all of the T's were crossed and all the I's were dotted. And, uh, and what we told Willie was like, ah, you get through half a dozen episodes and yeah, you just don't much care anymore. <laughs> and that's actually in the time since, like I've come to realize, I don't know if you're the same way, that that's more s- cyclic than anything. Like I go through phases where you, something happens and you realize that people are listening closely So it makes you worry a little bit more and really try to choose your words wisely. And then I go through phases where I'm like, whatever, like, just tell them what you're thinking. You know, I I think for the most part, the show comes across better when it's just two guys BSing back and forth without a a set agenda or or certainly not as scripted out as we tried to make it in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I think so. And what I've learned, another thing that if we do say something wrong or don't get our point across like we intended. You always know, got next week just to clear it right up. So it's all good.
0: Yeah. And, and our experience is for the most part, someone will bring that to your attention. So you, you'll yes. know that you need to say something about it the following week.
1: Yes, they will. <laughs> which we appreciate,
0: by the way, uh, we've got a little bit different show on tap today. As you might imagine, it's a good time of year for the anniversary issue or that anniversary episode, I should say, in that. We don't have a whole lot of breaking news. We are just getting started into what, for most people across the country, is the off season. We've kind of wrapped up 2017 for the most part. We've got some topical episodes coming up where we'll try to tackle some of the big issues um, facing our sport going forward. But for this week, we're not going to focus on any current events. Like, we are basically just going to have a look back at the last year of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. So this week's Who's Hot takes a little bit different tone, but in uh, since we do it every week, we are going to start things off with the Siebert Performance Who's Hot once again.
2: He's on fire! It's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing.
1: Siebert Performance Who's Hot. Who's Hot is presented by our friends at Siebert Performance. Do You need machine work, whether it's boring, torque plate honing, Block head or manifold resurfacing, competition valve jobs or precision balancing. Siebert performance has the equipment and more importantly, the experience to do the job right. Follow them on Facebook at Siebert Performance. So Luke, you mentioned that it's going to take a little different turn. This is our most populated Siebert performance who's hot in the history of the the show. This is a we had all the Williams last week. Yeah, this we keep expanding. A bigger this. Crowd.
0: Yeah, this was just one person a week last week. We, we got it out to three this week. Every one of you listening, y'all are who's hot. This is our chance to, we touched on it in the open, but to say thank you for your support of the show. And in particular, those of you that took time to to go through the poll and talk about your favorite moments of the podcast over the course of the last year, especially those of you that are religious listeners, you know, that are with us every week. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your feedback. And, uh, you know, thank you for enjoying what we're doing. So this week's show is all about you. Jed, we, we put out the poll. Mark put together a little poll for us. I'm kind of going over some of our favorite moments, again, from the first year of the podcast. Some of the results were a little bit surprising to me. And I think it's great feedback. Likewise. It probably gives us a little bit um, better direction for season two of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. But the favorite segment was one that was no shock to me.
1: No, it was uh, it was no shock at all. Um, um, obviously, that's a part of the show that I dearly love. And looks like our listeners were in the same boat as you and I and probably most everybody else. But the big interview uh, got the win there with uh, with almost half the vote out of all the category, out of all the choices, forty-seven point two percent of our listeners voted the big interview as their favorite segment.
0: Yeah, I think the bottom line there, Jed, is you can only listen to Luke and Jed Gasbag for so long before you've <laughs> got to get somebody else involved,
1: right? You know, I didn't, I didn't take that message uh, <laughs> until you just said it, but now it makes all the sense in the world. It really does.
0: (laughs) With that in mind, we've got some uh, slightly different plans and structure for the show going forward. We're going to have guests on just about every episode. A lot of them will be our typical interview based. At times, we'll have like a a topical show where our guest won't necessarily be an interview as much as just kind of an open forum between you, Jed, myself, and a guest that is obviously well-versed and experienced in the topic that we're going to discuss. So I think those will be a lot of fun going forward. Second place was The Final Thought, got 24% of the votes. I'll take that as a little bit of a pat on the back, but it was uh, pretty cool. And then uh, we had Racing Answers, got a few votes, our What's Up segment, and of course, race results, like 14% of the vote. But again, like you said, the overwhelming majority, favorite part of the show was The Big Interview.
1: Yeah, and Mark put some notes in uh, talking about uh, when he is speaking to the racers and all the racers he speaks to, they said they absolutely love the interview. And in some ways, they feel like it allows uh, racers from all different backgrounds, levels, and skill levels to relate to other racers out there, because I think we all have the same challenges and it is interesting to see the you know that it's tough for the clay Millikins and the dan fletchers and the peter beyondos and the troy williams so we all have the same challenges out there so that was good notes by mark I, i thought it was very uh relative to the subject and um the interview is has been something that i think we've had some home run guests with so it's easy to see how that wins
0: yeah, I mean, when you actually sit back and think about it, Jed, when were, would you or I or or any of our listeners, for that matter, have the opportunity to sit down for thirty minutes with Dan Fletcher, with Eric yeah. Anders, with Kyle Seipel, with Jeff Verde, You know what I mean? On down the list, so I, I sure. agree. Like I, that's been it's been fun for us. So I would imagine. But that, that just translates on to the winners. Another one that was no shock. We asked the listeners, what was our most awkward moment of the first year of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast? And that one was a no-brainer.
1: Yeah, it was. That did get over <laughs> half the vote. 50.8% uh, of the voters uh, voted your interview which it was, it was was actually both, it was actually both of us, but I ain't sure I said much and nothing, if anything, and and I ain't sure you got to say a whole lot, but it was the Luke's interview with Bird and David Bird Jones and Kai Kelly in episode six. That was, (laughs) again, I know what the listener heard. I actually did go back and listen to that because I thought there was no way Luke's going to be able to, you were still doing the editing at this time. And there's no way Luke's going to be able to fix this. This is not going to go well.
0: I think and that's the show that made me realize, hey, we got to hire I think this it
1: guy. is. I think <laughs> it is. And you turned that into something people could at least listen to, maybe not follow very well, but at least listen to without you know being maybe offended or whatever. But you did a great job with that. I wish at some point we could get the whole one out there, but it's probably not necessary. But. Over 50% of the listeners that voted felt like that was the, the most awkward moment and I couldn't agree more.
0: It's funny because I hadn't thought about this until you mentioned it. You know, we, I think Mark had posed that as Luke's interview with Bird and Kai Kelly and we were both on the line for that, but I remember thinking as we going gone through it now, say a little bit different background and life experience on our part, like, I'll leave the names out of this, but like some, I've, I've been at the bar with some guests, some friends of the show that will remain nameless. So like that that level of conversation that we engaged in that interview, like that's not completely foreign to me. I remember (laughs) thinking in the moment, Jed is completely shell-shocked and has no idea what to do.
1: (laughs) I didn't. And you know, the, actually, the interview was supposed to be with David Bird Jones. (laughs) Right. And then, then he lets you know a little ahead of time. Hey man, I'm, I'm on a, I don't know, a fishing trip with Kai and, we're having a good time. Things are getting wild. And- well, this was via text,
0: and my initial thought yeah. was, awesome, Kai Kelly, that's a big name. That'll be good for the show. Not <laughs> realize what we were getting maybe. into. <laughs> maybe not.
1: <laughs> it was uh, It was a good time. You did a heck of a job with it. It was awkward, but um, if they could have heard the whole thing, that would have maybe not gotten another vote for any other thing on the list. It might have just been 100% that interview so great job by you but it was still awkward
0: (laughs) uh though the one i and i guess this shouldn't be a surprise because he's such a likable character but we asked you listeners what was your favorite interview what was the best interview that we did in season one of the sportsman drag racing podcast and we got some obvious votes for rodney fincham which that wasn't really even an interview. That was just a chance for Hot Rod to come on and tell his story. And we were laughing so hard that we couldn't really banter back and forth. He got 27% of the vote. Dan Fletcher got 22% of the vote. Bill Bader, Erica Andrews, Tammy Eggleston all got some votes as well. But the winner in dominating fashion, I guess sort of a landslide, was our buddy Clay Milliken.
1: Yeah, Luke, he got 39.7% of the vote, which shows that it was kind of spread out among several people, which uh, all were very deserving of the the best interview. But, you know, Clay was my personal choice for best interview and not that I thought he was just any better than anybody else. I just, and I I don't know, I just couldn't get past the fact that he reached out to you after his first NHRA victory and said, I want to come on the podcast and talk. And we were like. WT, whatever, you know, it's a, like Clay Millican just asked us if he could come on our little old podcast. So I thought that was really cool. And obviously he's a very engaging guy and, you know, he's, uh, once you listen to him talk, you can tell he's just one of us. So that was awesome. So I'm glad the listeners picked Clay just because I enjoyed it as well. But, um, again, everybody on that list were, were awesome interviews. Yeah,
0: no, Clay is fun to talk to at any time, and especially to, to be able to use our platform to tell that story. That's first NHRA National Event win on Father's Day, a year removed from losing his son. Like, obviously, yeah. that struck a chord with all of us. And um, we will actually, in homage to that interview, we're going to take you guys back in time to episode 33. So we are talking, uh, what, five months ago, and we're going to replay that interview for you and and let let you guys that may have missed it or, or if you did hear it five months ago, like it's worth hearing again. Uh, we're going to replay yeah. that interview with Clay Milliken right after we touch base on to this week's shows presenting sponsors. For most racers around the country, we are approaching the offseason. What better way to use the off-season to prepare for 2018 than to have a regular practice regimen? Port tree products make great gifts for racers. If you are assembling that wish list this holiday season, make sure to put port tree on it. From full-size trees to the practice tree that we personally use and recommend, the Eliminator Next Gen Touchscreen Practice Tree, Portatree has all of the practice equipment that you'll need. For more information, call Portry 1 800 541 7613. And remember, mention promo code JINGLE10 to get 10% off all orders through the month of December. All
1: right, let's talk about the third annual K&N Spring Fling Million presented by Optima Batteries. Uh, this event's going to break new ground in the world of huge guaranteed payout bracket races. Peter Biondo and Kyle Seiple are the promoters they've entered into new territory with doubled guaranteed winner's payout. Now, it was $100,000 guaranteed. Now, it is $200,000 guaranteed with a $1,000 round money on Friday and best losing packages valued at at least $1,000. Okay. I always ask about this move, and his statement is that Peter and I always ask for racer feedback, and the only thing we've heard to make our Vegas event even more exciting To travel to and attend was to raise the guaranteed money we pay out. So Kyle explained whether you're coming to race for the 30Ks, the Spring Fling Million, or both, it's going to be more exciting and more fun than ever. And we made the purse bump without increasing the entry fee for the Million Dollar Friday and only increasing the Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday entry fee by $16.60 each day. The 2018 Spring Fling Million will prove to have the biggest guaranteed purses of the year.
0: All
1: right, guys, joining us now is a six-time IHRA Top Fuel World Champion, most recently winning his first ever NHRA race at Bristol Dragway. Having reached the final nine times, getting that first NHRA career win, and a guy that's been racing in some capacity since he was 16, heavily involved in motorsports for many, many years. Much, much appreciation for you coming on the show. Clay Milliken, thanks for joining us today.
2: Oh, man, I'm so glad to be on here. I listen to you guys every week. I have learned so many things from this show. It's just amazing. I mean, I enjoyed Cody Harger, you know, talking about all the different ways that possibly could be a little cheating, you know, or keeping (laughs) up with it. And I learned about uh, really kind of protecting, you know, our equipment from getting stolen. I mean, it's it is an informative show. It really is. We appreciate that, Clay. You know, Jed Clay told us
0: off
1: there that he listens every week, and I thought,
0: ah, whatever. Like he, <laughs> I think he listens. <laughs>
1: it does sound like he listens. That's which is really, really awesome. It's it's great to hear that people that's reached a level that you've reached in our sport still care about your sportsman roots, Clay.
2: Oh man, I do. I mean, I get. Very little time to go to bracket races anymore, but I still go to Memphis when I can. I mean, my little sister is turned into a really good bracket racer. And, and of course, her husband's always been a terror at Memphis and around, you know, the Memphis area. Cliff Hubbard's my brother-in-law. And, man, I I just love sportsman racing. I, I go up and watch when I can. I mean, I love it. I mean, I love racing, and I just don't get to do it anymore. You know, I just don't have the time, essentially, from you know not just the 24 race schedule but you know we have sponsor things we have to do here and there and then sure. you know for for a lot of years when I did have off weekends they were spent at a motocross track you know cuz my son Dalton was a motocross racer that was the racing that he got into when he was little and so a lot of times my off weekends you know used to be spent at variety of motocross tracks all over the place but you said we're I'm into the motorsports thing there's no question about it I I love motorsports <laughs> Top to bottom, I'm all about it. As That's I, awesome.
0: I, I prefaced this early in the show, Clay, but I think most of our listeners realize that, that before your Top Fuel career took off, you, you came from sportsman roots. And what I don't think most most of our listeners realize is, obviously, you're a listener of the show. Like in our 33 episodes of doing the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, I'm not sure that anyone, has, that, the, anyone that I was excited about having on the show actually reached out and said hey i'd like to be a part of the podcast and you did like that's how the, that's how we got here and well
2: who, who am i just... to
0: say no i, I don't want clay millican on the show you know <laughs>
2: well i would i would love to read your text but uh i don't think that's suitable for the airways
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was well, look,
2: I, it was
0: kind of surreal i think you were two days removed from winning bristol so i know that your phone's ringing off the hook everything's going nuts and you're thinking about reaching out to us so it was it was very it was a cool moment for me so how about that
2: well <laughs> i truly love the show i mean y'all do a great job it's entertaining it's fun and you know and I am so into this all-state race. I cannot wait for that. Mm -hmm. I am home that weekend. Oh, awesome. Oh, Uh, man. I will be there for that. And I'm going to throw this lobby out there right now. I think Lee Hubbard should be the woman's representative for the state of Tennessee. I'm just throwing that out there.
0: There you go. Uh, that, I think that, you know, I would second that, Clay. And nobody comes to mind that I would put in front of her, that's for sure. <laughs>
2: especially at that track. Right. You know, especially at that yeah, track. That, you know, that, that that that's where she's at. You know, she's there all... Every time the gate's open, she's there racing. And, I mean, I tell you what, you know, y'all come up with that idea, and and Britt has just took off and run with it. I mean, what is it up to now? Like 37 states, I think is what it is. Something like uh, that. 33 states, whatever yeah, Thirty-two. It is. Yeah, they're... I mean... It, it's gonna. It's be amazing. A special
0: day, yeah. It's gonna be a neat, neat weekend down there in Memphis for sure.
2: It really is. And while we're talking about that weekend, and I know we've got listeners that'll be coming from from all over to go to that race. If they're bringing their kid and they have a driver's permit, we are doing a brakes class at the NASCAR track while that event is going on. Oh, really? And if we are. We're doing that. That will be the second time that we've done a brakes in the Memphis area. And if those of y'all that don't know, it's Doug Herbert started that when he lost his two sons. He started a teenage proactive safe driving school. It's yes. free. All you got to do is go sign up for it, and we're doing that on Saturday and Sunday during the the Great American Bracket Race and the All State Race when all that's going on. It would be so easy for the you know people that are bringing their kids with them. All they got to have is a permit. They don't even have to have a car. Brakes brings the cars. They bring the instructors. They bring everything. Now, one parent will have to be there, and they actually get to kind of take part of the class. When I went there last year, I mean, I've helped Herbert with breaks for many, many years. But when I went and actually participated, I actually learned some stuff myself. It's a really cool deal. I didn't mean to, like, get off on that, but that's that's a really important thing to me. You know, that's a big deal to me. No, and it's
0: one of so many, like, cool uh, off-the-racetrack things that you're involved with that I want to talk to you about on on some level, at least. I mean, I I think we'd be here for hours if we tried to go over everything that you've got your hands (laughs) in. But for our our listeners that may not have followed your career as closely as, like, I have, give us the the Cliff Notes version of – how your your start like i met you when you're running IHRA modified eliminator how yep. that kind of transitioned into running top fuel and IHRA and i mean eventually into your position or your life and career today well
2: obviously you're, you're talking about my whole life story there so I'm <laughs> yeah, get yeah no, <laughs> and jed you were right we always put it out there that you know i started bracket racing when i was 16 years old because that's what you're supposed to say but i'm gonna tell the truth i was actually 15 years old and i started going (laughs) to jackson dragway in here in tennessee little eighth mile track i went there with a 69 dodge charger knew nothing about bracket racing me and daddy went mama tracy lee the whole family pull in the gate and they're like well well, what class are you running well what's the fastest thing you got well it's super pro (laughs) okay that's what we're doing Well, after we made a time trial, we had to go and change that because that car wasn't nearly as fast as we thought it was, (laughs) you know, time slips don't lie. And so, I mean, we started from there and, and just to kind of speed the thing up. I mean, I raced as much as I could. I mean, married my high school sweetheart, still married. I've been married 30, I think 31 years. And Donna won't even be bad about that because she can't ever remember how long we've been married either, but (laughs) Became friends with a guy named Raymond King and Luke, I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. him or not, but Raymond was with TCI when Mr. Bill still owned TCI. And I called him when I was, I don't know, 16, 17 years old and basically said, Hey, what do I got to do to start traveling out of town? And, you know, TCI wouldn't go write checks and sponsor any sportsman racer, especially a, a guy that just raced local bracket racing. But I started hauling their display to races. And they helped me with fuel, which was a big, big deal. You know, they helped pay for for gas for getting there. And he helped me get a, a my first nice dragster. I got a Danny Nelson car, and we started super comping and then quick rod and IHRA. That kind of turned into modified because all the people that I around here that'll tell you about my bracket racing career, all I ever did was try to make the car go faster, which was a bad <laughs> idea. You know, I, I, I just like going fast and. I always did okay on the tree, but I never, my car never dialed worth a crap, cause it always was always getting worked on. But, and back then, by the way, I'm I'm gonna get on this. There was no spot dropping going on. <laughs> you know, you just tried to, you know. I I think Luke, you know, you you teach that. I've actually kind of snuck in on some of your classes when you've been out at Memphis before. And I get the idea, but I don't, I'm I'm not a spot dropper. But if you watch me drive the top fuel car, you will notice me wiggling down at the finish line. That's usually cause I'm trying to look over and see where I'm at. <laughs> which is also a bad idea. But I've
0: seen you flicker the
2: stage ball by the time or two, too. That yeah. I, 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 that's a challenge in a top-field car. That that really is. It, the the, the deal handbrake and the carbon brakes don't work so good for flickering, but there's a couple of guys really good at it. Langdon's good at it, you know, and uh, yeah. Doug Coletta's pretty good at it, too. He's he's pretty good at flickering it. But back to my life story, I got off <laughs> sidetracked there. We started doing the IHRE modified. I really, really liked it because I got to go fast and, You know, I I did okay at that. I won a few national events, and but early in that TCI hauling the display, picking up converters, bringing them back and, you know, carrying them to get them fixed and that sort of thing, TCI was purchased by Felpro, the gasket company, which we all know Felpro, all the racers do. I went to their company picnic and met a young man named Peter Lehman and... Didn't think anything of it other than the fact that Raymond told me his dad is the president of FELPRO. His family owns the company. Okay, you know. So I go racing Cordova that weekend, forgot about it. So Raymond calls me late in the, in the year and says, you remember that Peter Lehman kid you met? No, not really. You know, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, I don't know. But he said, well, he wants to go with you to Darlington, which was the last IHRA race of the season. And he's writing a, a non-fictional story for college. So he wants to go with you. So I call Peter and he says, yep, I want to go with you. And I said, well, you probably want to fly to Charlotte or somewhere and I'll pick you up. And he said, no, you don't get it. I want to ride with you. I want to experience everything you go through. I immediately was like, oh man, I got a crappy old Dodge truck, a crappy <laughs> old trailer. You know, this guy's family owns Felpro and I've got to smile the whole way and keep the, uh, you know, the, the energy up and all that kind of stuff. So we, he flies to Memphis. My truck got broke into that week, so I had to borrow a truck and the buddy that owned the truck. So it was <laughs> me, Marvin Trotter, and Donna, my wife. We picked him up in, at the airport in Memphis after I got off work. I worked night shift, and we drove all the way to Darlington. And he's making little notes, you know. And he kept asking me, you know, why do you do this? And you know, he just kept on and on and on. And I'm like, I want to drive a top fuel car. And he said, I don't even know what that is, you know. And I said, You'll see. You'll see him this weekend. They'll be there. And He's like, man, you obviously spend everything you got to do this. He said, I, "I just don't get it." I said, "I think you might get it when you get there." So we go to Darlington. He experiences the whole weekend, and it, it's just right time, right place kind of thing. But I won my first national event that weekend with him there. Oh wow! It was crazy that it worked out that way, but it did. And I'll get into this a little later too. There are no such thing as a coincidence, but that happened that weekend. He and I became. Really, really good friends. And fast forward a few more years, he wrote a business plan, how to go racing as a business. Fast forward a little more, he bought a top, well, first of all, he he got me my license. I went and got my license and we did one race. I was the first top fuel car on the racetrack at Route 66 when the place was brand new. Really? Race we're going to next week. Mm -hmm. Yep. I was the first top fuel car to pull out because I got my license that week. They sent me out on a single. And I promptly did a reverse burnout. I did a burnout going forward and I tried to do one going backwards. And at that point I was ready to just go, I'll skip this part of the story. The week I got my license, I quit my job at Kroger food warehouse, which I had had for 11 years. And as soon as I did that reverse burnout and got back to the trailer, because we broke the reverser, thank goodness. You know, I, I was ready to go back to Kroger and beg for my job back. You know, I'm like, I, I'm I'm over this. This is embarrassing. I don't, you know, I don't want to see anybody. I hope they don't show that on TV. And, but, you know, it all worked out. I did get called to the tower and I, I got my first in-depth conversation with Buster Couch. That was very interesting after I did the reverse burnout. <laughs>
1: Uh, but, I'm sure Buster uh, put it to you gently.
2: Yes, yes. He had a way with words. I will say that. That's for <laughs> sure. I can promise you this. My foot never did anything with that throttle pedal except when I was in forward gear. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's for sure. That is for sure. But Peter and I didn't immediately go racing. I mean, like I say, he started, he, he wrote this business plan and he kind of followed that. And, and a couple of years later, he, we bought, we listen to me like I got money. He bought all of Tommy Johnson's top fuel equipment and we went racing and, you know, it was a unbelievable thing. You know, I mean, we got Mike Klober as crew chief. Our very first year we, you know, we won, won a top fuel race. I beat Shirley Moldowney in Grand Bend, Ontario, Canada, and we ended up finishing second in points. The following year was the first of six straight championships. It was crazy. You know, and yeah. we had Warner Enterprises for for those six championships, and when diesel fuel went crazy, got expensive. You know, they they decided to quit racing, and you know things got tough for me here and there. But somehow, another, you know, I've I've nineteen years. I've now been doing this full time. I mean, it's just unbelievable to me wow. that it's been that long. But it has. You know, it's just crazy. That is so there's, there's my life story. I, I, I tried to shorten it up as
0: much <laughs> as I could there. Over the course of, I guess, basically about the last two decades, you said 19 years. I guess, like you said, you've gone from IHRA sportsman racer to IHRA top fuel competitor to six-time IHRA world champion into NHRA through some tough times where you were probably not out of top fuel but on the on the fringe on the periphery.
2: Oh, just hanging on with my fingernails you know for sure
0: a variety of television shows back in racing now here you are like a a serious force on the NHRA tour with what I I have to assume is maybe notwithstanding that that original team with Clover and with when you guys were just dominating NHRA but overall probably the best team of your career I can tell just listening to your story like I'm a big believer in networking and forming real positive relationships with people. I know you are, too. I would assume that over the the course of this, you know, and obviously we're we're talking about 20 years in, the, in half an hour here, but right. I would assume that racing paved the way for a lot of these other endeavors, you know, television, what have you, every, all the things that you're involved in, have the connections and relationships formed through TV and that other stuff open doors for you in racing as well? Like, does it work both ways?
2: Television certainly come about because of racing. Mm-hmm. No question about that. I did the majority of those shows. I mean, I always Luke, and you know, this as well as anybody, you always hope that that turns into connections that mm-hmm. turn into sponsor dollars. But I looked at doing the television shows as a way that people would recognize my face without being in a Werner fire suit or a Parts Plus uniform, it has been good that way. You know, I I can't honestly tell you that other than some recognition that maybe you have when you go into, you know, a meeting somewhere and they're like, hey, weren't you on, you know, Pink's All Out or something? I can't say that this ever really turned into sponsor dollars, but recognition wise, those shows were huge for me, you know, because it does make people recognize you in some other Form. they may not even know i to race top fuel car but they they remember me from doing you know drag race high where i worked with the high school kids on those shows and they are a lot of fun they're a lot of work but right. man they're a lot of fun
0: i can only imagine and i know your resume on the television side you mentioned pinks all out you mentioned drag race high blow it up
2: and you mm-hmm. the IHR nitro jam series at one time as well didn't you yes i did i sure did and i was actually Racing during all of those shows, mm-hmm. I may not have been, you know, hitting all 24 NHRA events, but I was still racing, you know. And I even did a show on MTV2, it was only on for one season, but
0: truly,
2: yep, did a show on MTV2 that was very successful. And I know we're, you know, not going to talk for an hour, but it was actually the we third. I'm going well, to limit well,
1: <laughs>
2: well, I mean, <laughs> I, I just think this is just a you know, kind of a, a crazy story, but so. This show was the third highest rated show they had, in-house show. And so we asked them, well, what beat us? You know, what was better than our show? And they said, well, second place was Bellator cage fighting. I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, that's a pretty popular deal. You know, all the UFC stuff, they had Bellator cage fighting. I'm like, well, what beat Bellator cage fighting? Lingerie football. So (laughs)
1: you it's know i was to like okay uh, you gotta go hard to, yeah it's a tough battle <laughs> yeah
2: yeah. It, it, yeah you know so i'm like okay I, I finished third you know i guess i just got to take that but but that show <laughs> only lasted one year but all of them are a lot of fun they really really are like I say it's a lot of time consuming stuff but you know anything i always looked at those not for any other reason than just recognition so that maybe somewhere somebody you know might recognize me when we're looking for the sponsors. And, and that's that's a part of what I do, you know, basically every day. It's a hard business. You know, I mean, we're competing against huge, huge organizations and but we're hanging in there with them right now. That's for sure. I'm, I'm so proud. You're right that this group we got together right now is is pretty dang special. You know, it it does compare to me to the Werner team we had and the group we had when the team was still based here in Tennessee it's a family it really is all these kids are just awesome that work on this thing
0: when you go into the the sponsorship meetings like uh, I would assume that a big feather in your cap has to be your social media following and like I want to just pick your brain on that a little bit you've got like 128,000 Twitter followers like that's unheard of and I know compared to LeBron James or somebody like that like you're not that big a deal, but in the world of of NHRA drag racing, like, I don't know that anybody has that type of following. Plus, like, I don't know if, if our listeners or a lot of our listeners are into Twitter or follow Clay, but like, it's a very engaging follow. I'm curious, like, how did you cultivate that? And, and obviously you put an emphasis on it earlier than most.
2: I did. And I will tell you right off the get go. I had a Twitter coach And she's probably, she's probably going to kill me for saying that, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a lady that races super comp. She don't race all the time. A lady named Tina Stull. I don't know if you know Tina. Yep. Tina is a Twitter wizard and she literally held my hand and she just helped me. She's like, if people talk about racing, follow them. You know, so if you look at my Twitter, you know, a lot of people that have big followings, you know, like LeBron James, he probably doesn't follow 99,000 people i do if people were talking about racing i followed them mm-hmm. you know it was and, and she helped me with that a lot she really mm-hmm. did she's good at it she actually has some very large clients that she works with for me she just did it because she wanted to help me she could see that when twitter was kind of first getting going that i was really working hard at it you know i was putting a lot of stuff on there and and she just kind of coached me along and you know, I've got to give her credit for it, and my Twitter has just continued to grow, and and I have fun with it, and and I got to be truthful, that,
0: like the the things that you're doing with the the gift package giveaways and
2: things like that. <laughs> like, that's pretty cool, you know, pretty innovative. I have to give credit to Donna for that. Me and Donna, we drive to probably half the races. If you drew a circle, twelve hours around Memphis we're going to drive to those races. You know, we'll drive as far west as Topeka and far east as Charlotte. And I don't, I won't drive to English town and Epping. The traffic gets a little crazy up there. You've, y'all you driven up there. You know how that is. But so we get bored. Y'all spend plenty of time driving to races. You know how it is. And and so Donna <laughs> so come up with I've the idea. Oh yeah. She come up with the idea, you know, we should hide stuff, you know, and not really hide it, but leave it places, tell people where it's at. And and just see who comes and gets it, you know? And so it's, I have been shocked at how many people look at that. And I really laugh at it. So we're going to Bristol. Let's just use Bristol for an example. You start reading some of the comments. They're like, swing through Connecticut on your way, (laughs) or come to South Dakota and drop one off. You know, it's like, Oh, I don't think we're going to do that. Yeah, I don't know if we'll make that one. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if we'll make that one, but, but it's just fun. It does break up our trip and, and she reads comments while I'm driving and or if she's driving and you know we just have fun with it and and it, and it you know I guess it does kind of really engage the fans and they're entertaining me as much as I hope I'm entertaining them by doing that you know because we enjoy reading what people say and who finds it and I mean it's fun yeah. it is really fun we very much engage with the social media that's for sure
1: so now we're getting to the roots of why you listen to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. You're bored to death out there driving
2: twelve over so hours
1: on the road <laughs> I have
2: to. I, I got to be truthful. Donna doesn't listen, so that means that I'm not listening while I'm driving on the road. Oh, okay. well, if that's... I'm out in, out in the shop at home, the, the race shop's in McLeansboro, Illinois, and I live in Drummond's, Tennessee. So when I'm at home... Chances are I've got my my little earbuds in while I'm I'm working on whatever little project I'm working on, and, and I listen to you guys then. So I'm hoping by me being on the show, and, and this is not really why I ask you to be on here, but I'm hoping that on our trip to Chicago, I can get her to listen, and then she's going to hear how good this show is. Not because I'm on here, because y'all <laughs> are so good. Then she'll <laughs> let me start listening every week while we're driving.
1: Well, we, we appreciate you trying to get us another listener, Clay. <laughs> Clay, you you've made your name, obviously an IHRA top field with the the many, many wins and championships and compare those days of dominance, you know, kind of like where you were big fish in a small pond with today as a competitive team on NHRA tour, you know, is it reverse theory, smaller fish in the ocean, but compare your times in both of those sanctioning bodies.
2: People ask me all the time, you know, how come you, you win so much over there and, you know, until a few weeks ago, you've never won here. And, you know, the majority of that, to be honest with you, was we were sponsored to race in the IHRA. And I loved my time in the IHRA. I loved the people in the IHRA. And I, obviously, I loved all the winning and the championships. But I truly believe had we had the, you know, the opportunity to race in full time during that time frame, we would have won races. I point this out a, a lot here recently, especially you know after Bristol, that I'm a horrible statistician on what I've done. But I think it was 2004, we went to 10 NHRA races while racing the IHRA series, and we went to three consecutive final rounds in the NHRA. But our paycheck comes from racing IHRA, and you know so kind of back to your question. For me, it's always been I have the same job, and I love my job, and whether I'm racing IHRA, NHRA, or at Cordova doing the World Series of drag racing, I'm a happy man if I get to put the helmet on and drive a top fuel car. I just love everything about it. I love the acceleration. I love how fast they go. I I love going fast. And should it have taken 19 years to win an NHRA event? Heck no, because sooner or later, you would think you would have a day where four cars in a row smoke the tires against you or something, you know, you would think something would happen to where you would have won one and then just kept stacking up runner ups here and there. And, you know, it just took forever to do it. But but for me, it's the same, you know, uh, back in the IHR days, you know, we were definitely very well sponsored and there were some other teams. A lot of people, you know, say, well, that was IHR, It didn't matter. But if you look back in those days, you know, you had Paul mine that was sponsored by Carquest, Bruce Litton had Lucas Oil. Doug Herbert had a snap on car there. I mean, there were some good cars there and it wasn't easy. And, you know, and the tracks wasn't always the easiest to get down either. But move back to the NHRA side, now you're racing what I call it. Like, I'm racing against factory teams. These yeah. guys have, they're building their own cars, they're building their own cylinder heads, they're pretty much doing everything. It's, it's like racing factories. But, and I'm going to steal this line from David Grubnik, my crew chief, Grubby. People are your most valuable asset, and right now we have got great people, and so we're able Mm -hmm. to take a small team that's run out of Doug Stringer's backyard and compete with those guys. I mean, we—I don't. Here I am back to that statistician thing. I know we had back-to-back number one qualifiers this year, you know, so we've we've been able to run at the top of the page. We qualified number one last year at the U.S. Nationals. And you get five qualifying runs there. That's hard to go out there and beat those factory teams doing that. Yeah. And we've had the home run hits. We just hadn't been able to fill the bases up, so to speak, and finish it up, you know, but Grubby has really started concentrating on race day. You know, he's like, I've just got to make this thing go down the racetrack. And, and if we get outrun, we get beat on a whole shot, whatever happens, but at least we gave ourselves a chance. And I think that's kind of what you're starting to see here the last few weeks. And I'm so excited, so ready to to just keep going. I mean, we just finished four straight weeks, but I'm excited to go to Chicago. We tested on Monday at Norwalk. Not a luxury that our team gets because it costs the same amount of money, whether you're testing or racing. But we were able to take part in a good year tire test, and, and that helps. So, Yes. I love my <laughs> job.
1: Uh, it shows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's obvious to all of us, Clay. The obviously the years and and I don't know if frustration is the right word, but like it, it obviously all came together just a few weeks ago in Bristol, and I, I know that it was a, a special. Day for you on so many levels. It was a special day for a lot of us, and we were all watching. Like, I think I speak for most of the listeners of the quote unquote sportsman drag racing podcast. We were rooting for you, man. Yes. We all know that you have been trying to get that win for years and years and been closed so many times. And we all know that in the cruelest of, of blows, like you lost your son Dalton last summer in a highway accident, we can only imagine what you and your family have dealt with since. Like, I don't mean to try to wrap that up into one weekend and like, no, no, matters, no, but that yep. to get that elusive win and, and to have it come on Father's Day. I know you've answered these questions a hundred times over the past couple of weeks, but can you put some of those emotions into words for us?
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I answered this on a text to over 400 people. Without a <laughs> doubt, that was Dalton's Father's Day gift to me to kind of start off Sunday and I have told this a little bit, but but I wanna I'm gonna tell the story again and probably will for the rest of my life, if you wanna know the truth. Bristol does a really good job with the whole Father's Day thing. And I didn't wanna like participate in it. To me, Father's Day was pretty much I made two phone calls Sunday morning. One was to my daddy and the other was to my sisters. And I started getting texts. And everybody means well. And and when they listen to this, I hope they don't, I don't hurt their feelings, but I didn't want to see texts that said, happy father's day. Now I love my oldest son. I did talk to him. So really I called three people, (laughs) kale, my oldest son, but the rest of the people, you know, it's like, I don't want to talk about father's day. It just, it was not ever, and it never will be exactly the same for me, Mm -hmm. but Bristol, you know, they, they take the fathers and you, you do driver intro and then you get in the back of the pickup truck and they, and they take you down in front of the grandstands and all that. I did driver intro because I just feel like you're supposed to. And I just walked away and did not do the, the pickup truck ride. You know, I just went right to my car. I'm like, all right, it's a normal race day. It's not Father's Day. And I treated it that way. And I made it just fine through first and second round. Treating it as normal race day. When we're rolling up to race Steve Torrance in the semifinals, Bristol was packed. It was a lot of people and we were going really slow towing the car and I'm sitting in the back of our, our Suburban and a guy tapped on the window and we let the window down and he shook my hand and he said, I got something to give you. And he hands me a a little kid's motocross chest protector. And those y'all don't know motocross kids will wear them, keep dirt clods and stuff from hurting when they get hit. And he said, your son signed this for my son and Dalton said this was his first ever autograph. And he hands this thing to me and I look at it and sure enough, it is Dalton's signature and it's, and it's hashtag 25 and immediately, you know, I, I like welled up and I didn't start crying, but it was right there. You know how you get that feeling, you know, it's like, man, my next thought was why would somebody hand me this when I'm fixing to go up here and raise Steve Torrance? Who's been, you know, killing everybody. So I rolled on around the corner. I I just took that thing and I, and I set it in the, in the back of the Suburban. And, and by the time I got around the corner, I was like, you know what, just get your stuff together here, you know, and, and just go out here and have fun. And, and I literally, from that moment, I got around the corner. I see, I seen Stevie. I like Stevie a lot. He already had his helmet on. I went over, told him safe race and got in the car. And I'm like, shoot. I get to go drive top fuel car. It's exactly what, you know, Dalton would want me to be doing and beat Stevie. And I already kind of knew this and and people are going to be like, ah, whatever. But before we race Stevie, I'm like, man, this, this is going to be my day. And beat Stevie, got ready to race Leah. I had like no care in the world. It was like, man, I'm in the final round. Okay, cool. You've done this over 50 times you know and, and you've drove this car thousands of times it's it's just going to be your day and there's a couple things like you know i looked up at the scoreboard when i crossed the finish line that benefit of a thousand foot you know you can see if you won so i knew i won and hopped out of the car and turned around and started jumping up and down which i hadn't saw the television but i did see somebody posted on facebook you know showed that and and Jack Beckman comes and jumps the fence. So I'm like, this guy just got beat by four thousandths. You know, what's he coming to see me for, you know? And he's like, take your helmet off. Give me your helmet. Hurry up. Take your stuff off. So I do. I've just, I listen to him, hand him all my stuff. And he's like, get a few breaths. You have no idea how big this is. I was like, okay, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, And I'm, th- I'm still thinking, wow, Jack's over here, like taking my helmet and checking on me. And he just lost by four thousand go around the corner there and I see caps. Oh, I might mention that I've done made that corner a total of eight times. Oh, well, seven times that weekend. And when it come time to make the corner, they had to push me backwards. Cause I couldn't even get the car around the corner. <laughs> I had to, they had to push me back. Cause I couldn't, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I suddenly couldn't steer the car around the corner, but Ron caps is doing his interview and, and he, he gives me a hug and he said like, the stage is yours, buddy. And you know, without getting into halt the whole interview thing, I had, for years, all these things that I had in my mind, I was going to say or do or whatever. I mean, like I had just a plan of what I wanted to say and do. And all of that went out the window, you know, uh, y'all probably might've saw it, you know, obviously I got sure. pretty emotional about it and, but that was my father's day present from Dalton. And basically, you know, he was just letting me know that it's okay to, to smile on father's day. You know, it really yeah really is. I had said earlier, there are no such thing as a coincidence. And John Medlin told me that, you know, and he had lost a son. So, you know, I certainly spent time talking with him, same as Doug Herbert. And, but there, after I got that little chest protector, you know, with the 25 on it, I was like, huh, you know, that's no coincidence. That man was there that day to hand me that that's no coincidence. Mm-hmm. Same as I said earlier, I won my first national event when Peter Lehman was there. That's no coincidence. It was supposed to be that way. And if you look at my run in the final, and it was not pointed out to me until I was already like up on stage with the trophy in my hand and all that. We run 382 with a five. So what's the last two digits there? 25. (laughs) 25. Wow. And the Traxxas people... I got in the Traxxas shootout, and thank goodness I don't have to bug all my Twitter followers to go vote for me this year to get in the (laughs) Traxxas shootout. I won my way in this year. When they come up on stage, you know, these beautiful ladies bring, you know, a a board up for you to sign and a Traxxas truck. You would never guess what numbers on that Traxxas truck. No way. 25. Yep, 25. (laughs) You know, and they didn't give me that. That wasn't, like, planned. Mm -hmm. You know, that that was just a display thing for them to take Mm -hmm. photos. So it was the the worst thing that has ever happened to me and and Donna and kale you know and my family those kind of things are there you know to let you know everything's okay and people might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I believe that one hundred percent you know it's it's so you know, some little signs every now and then like everything's good
0: your your words are touching and and, and motivational clay and that interview after post-race at bristol like you said you thought about that for 15 years and it all kind of went out the window man you couldn't have scripted that any better that uh, yeah. that moment i think it was jason kenny i was keeping up on on twitter because we were out of the house you know live and uh he had said something like the actual race isn't the reason that i watch racing, those 15 minutes of footage post-race with clay That's the reason I love racing. And I couldn't, after watching it, I I, I couldn't agree more. That was unbelievable, man.
2: Not what I intended to do. I mean, it was just what came out. You know, it was uh, just there. You know, it was just there. I mean, it was definitely an emotional thing, you know, with everything that people didn't know leading up to that. I don't know. It was was meant to be. Mm -hmm. It was 100% meant to be. And I'm proud it happened. That's for sure. Right, Clay, you, let's, you
1: aren't, you aren't the only one that was emotional during the interview, Clay. No, it was uh, for, sure. I, for I, sure. I think this may be the only time in NHRA history that everybody, probably including your opponent, was rooting for you. So, um, <laughs> it, you, it was very genuine, and it was awesome to watch.
2: It was a great day. That's for sure. One I'll never forget.
0: Clay, let's lighten things up a little bit. We always try to finish out these interviews with a little bit of fun, a little bit of rapid fire. So, uh, yeah, I know you've listened to a few before, but these are quick questions meant for fairly quick answers. So you, you ready? We'll hold your I'm ready. Fire a little. You've been all around the world doing this. Uh, is there one you can single out?
1: Favorite racetrack?
2: <laughs> Bristol, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: great answer. Uh, Clay, what's a favorite song on your playlist right now?
2: Lip Biscuit, Roland. Really awesome. Nice. That's Sarah.
0: not one I'd have put you on. That's no. Good <laughs> this is one that uh, I think Jed asked me back in episode triple zero, and I thought it was a good one. I don't think I've repeated it since, but uh, sunrise or sunset?
2: Oh, definitely sunset. I am not a morning person. None whatsoever. <laughs> 11 o'clock first round's rough on me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Lay, what is your favorite hobby outside of racing?
2: Favorite hobby outside of racing. Now that we're not motocrossing anymore, I have become a golfer. Believe it or not. I love playing golf oh. now that we don't motocross love golfing.
0: Well, you're speaking with two fans of golf. And I think Jed's a lot more adept at it than I am, but uh, yeah. we, in, we, we enjoy chasing the ball around as well. Last one. And this is going back in time to what, uh, 20 years ago, but back in the sportsman days, I don't know if feared is the right word, but the, the opponent that you just couldn't seem to get past.
2: Oh, that's an easy one, too. And it still stands to this day for a lot of people. Anthony Bertozzi. I had a feeling oh. that's where that was going.
0: <laughs> just, I think if you ran modified in that time period, you didn't like running, running Anthony.
2: No, no. <laughs> we were talking about all of my runner-ups. My My first... National event runner-up was to Anthony at Norwalk. He's a bad dude. He's still to this day a bad dude. Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) No question. Clay, man, thank you for uh, taking some time out of your schedule for us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. It was an honor to have you on, man. Hope to do it again uh, someday soon. And best of luck to you in uh, Chicago and uh, and all along the tour the rest
2: of uh, 2017. I appreciate it. And I think I'll see you there, right, Luke? I I will be there. We will see you there fantastic thank you guys so much for letting thank me be you, on clay. the show I, I truly do enjoy it you guys do a great job thank you we appreciate your time clay you want to make it in a song to do the justin lamb win a bunch of races and you do it with the fam you do to kevin Brandon lay a smack
1: across the land. all right so we got to hear that uh interview again with clay millican really really cool uh, great to go back in time get to hear that again obviously he won best interview for a reason now you know why so you know we move on to the next poll, and that was the most commanding "Who's Hot" performance. Um, we ask our listeners about that, Luke.
0: Yeah, and this one was predictable.
1: It's yeah. not
0: even remotely close. But like, <laughs> uh, did we vote anybody else as a two-time "Who's Hot" winner?
1: Actually, I believe uh, Troy Williams yeah, would have got. It, he would have got a second one. Yeah,
0: in a roundabout way, we did with Troy. Yeah, Brad Plord was. Hot from mid August till current moment, like almost yeah. non stop. So it is no surprise that he garnered 68% of the vote uh, from you listeners as having the most commanding who's hot performance of the season. John LaBoost Jr. got second most amount of votes, um, but he's down there at 16%. Others receiving votes, all very worthy. Jeff Strickland, Jeffrey Barker, Matt O'Brienic, Mikey Bloomfield, Trey Bunner, Dave Triplett, Nick Hastings. But again, this one was not close. This was a runaway for our buddy, Bad Brad Plord.
1: Yeah, it was a blowout for Bad Brad. You know, and I think a lot of things contributed to that. Him winning on the stages that he went on and, and doing what he did this year in a small tire car, just old back half Nova or a. 200-mile-per-hour buggy, you know, it just, I don't know, it, it probably just reached our audience the best, and Brad obviously was uh, in the middle of the the biggest events of the year doing well. So that all helped, and um, great job by him. Congratulations, Bad Brad, for being voted the most commanding who's hot performance. That was cool to see.
0: Yeah, and I, I know we've alluded to this so many times on the show that I don't want to completely repeat myself, but what Brad accomplished – in the variety of machines, in the variety of classes, the different skill sets necessary to do what he's done over the course of the last three months is unbelievable. So very, very deserving, and uh, and like I say, very predictable that uh, that he would take home the most commanding "Who's Hot" performance of 2017. And our last topic on the poll, Big Jed, this was mm. the best story. The, the story that I think that our readers had the most fun with, and this went a lot of different ways. This was close at the top. We had a few yeah. votes for Jared Bargo, which I love the face plant story, hopping over the wall yep. to help his buddy. I, I laughed. I've listened to that one again since and laughed just as hard. Yeah. Okay. We got a few votes for my recap of The Spring Fling Million. Uh, I got several votes for Peter Biondo's launch in reverse, which if you missed that, Um, Go back to that Most Embarrassing Moments episode, It was like episode nine. That was good stuff. But uh, the two that kind of ran away were, again, predictable. If you have heard every episode of the show, these are two of the more memorable moments. Rodney Fincham's Hucklebuckin story, which was awesome. We we might ought to just replay both of these because that that was good. But in this contest, Jed, it came up just short to the story that I had to prompt you to tell on the air.
1: Yeah, you know, this was truly <laughs> embarrassing. This is uh, one of those subjects that you just, you really don't want a, a, a hot mic on. So Passing Tech at the Gators was uh, a story that I'll tell forever, and it it tells the same every time. It never changes, and it's just a pretty good story. I was a big fan of the Hucklebuck. Rodney Finchman was a great friend of mine and a guy that I thought was going to win this thing by a landslide, And lo and behold, my embarrassing story pops up. So I think that probably everybody that listens to the show has had a situation, if you will, like mine, (laughs) but very few have had a Hucklebuck situation. So that probably what propelled me to the top, but I appreciate uh, the listeners. And uh, if we're replaying this one, then um, hope you enjoy it. And it was truly embarrassing.
0: Yeah, I want to talk this up, but I can't do it any justice. We're just going to play it. I'm going to let you guys listen to it. We're going back to episode 11. This would be February of 2017 when Jed unveiled his most embarrassing (laughs) moment at the racetrack. Well, let's be honest, Jed. You just told me a story off air because you said that you did not think it was fit for the podcast. And I'm going to force you to tell it on the podcast because I literally fell out of my chair laughing at you. (laughs)
1: Want to tell that one, huh?
0: Yeah, so let's talk about your first national event experience. Now, you shared a little bit about your first national event back on episode triple zero.
1: Yes, yeah, same But you same
0: somehow race. left this part.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't really talk about what helped me get to that point. So, uh, <laughs> in, in order to get to round one, you have to go through a series of things. and I, I did that. So, it's, it's the Gator Nationals. It's 2006 and... I ain't never been to nothing like this, uh, from a driver standpoint. so Woody had Sherman Adcock told me they want me to, to drive the Valvoline Pontiac in a couple of races in super stock. So he says, we won't go to the Gators. Well, Woody, I can't go to the Gators cause you know, I've never, never run anything like that. We got owner's points or I don't know what they, what they had. So, but he got me in, I'm in the Gators. So. Leading up to the event, trying to figure out my scheduling, how I'm going to get down there. Obviously, going to fly in because I'm a big timer. You know, I've been hired to come in and drive. So uh, that's, that's how us big timers do it. We bring our helmet and our jacket. And, so Bones has got his stuff sitting in Orlando from the divisional uh, prior to that race. And he says, Look, you're going to be in Knoxville that week working. You just fly to Orlando instead of Birmingham. i pick you up. We'll go get my stuff can't remember where it was sitting and we'll head to the race so we do just that and we drive all night typical bone style we roll in uh, we get us some out back and roll in about 2 two thirty in the morning we're like the only people outside the gate at the <laughs> gator so everybody's seemed like they've been there forever and they're settled in the well, last time got I was their... at the
0: gators my pit area was outside the gate so <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were we were darn close so You know, we get us a little bit of sleep, and about 7.50 or so that morning, we hear a serious banging on the motorhome door. So, you know, Bones, he jumps up, I jump up. This is, we're in full panic mode here. We don't know. We parked, we've run over somebody or something coming in in the dark. We don't know what's going on. This is bad. So, it's Hugh Meeks, another one of the Alabama slammers, and um, he is banging on the door, and Woody has sent him to get me. Now, Woody gets up. Woody's the guy that cranks it on up gets it up early and, and does a, a early warm-up. So, Superstock's scheduled to be on the racetrack at 10.30. It's 7.50, and it, this is not, hey, man, it, it, we're going to need you up here in a little bit. This is full panic mode. Between like, Woody and
0: you, app. now you've got, I mean, the two coolest guys at the racetrack, but a pretty nervous bunch. Very, very
1: nervous. <laughs> and it's like, they're going to throw us out if we're not up there in just a minute. So yeah, I, and you don't I don't even a, I don't get a shower. I had out back about 10 o'clock that night. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on in my body right now. And, um, uh, some stuff I'm not super proud of. We'll talk about in a minute, but <laughs> I drag my old helmet and my, my racing jacket Actually, I had to wear Woody's jacket because it was a Valvoline jacket. I didn't have a Valvoline jacket, but I do now because I'm a big time hired driver. So I get in, and you know, he shows me everything he'd do. Hey, you gotta get up there. It's gonna take you an hour to get through tech. And we run at ten thirty. It's eight thirteen right now, so that only gives you like an hour and twenty minutes to drive to the staging lanes. You know, okay, so I'm like a nervous wreck, and I'm getting more nervous by the minute. So. He says, go up here, you turn right, and you're going to drive, you know, for about two or three days, and there's going to be a sign out there that says Tech this way, and you go where that sign tells you to go. So, again, I don't know if I told you, I had Outback 10 o'clock, I'm nervous, I've jumped right up out of the motorhome, and I'm sitting in Woody's car, riding it to the Tech line, and when I get to Tech, there's seven or eight different so stalkers. there's like a super gas car or whatever so i'm sitting back there but i think i'm the only super stalker based on what i'm looking at so apparently i wasn't gonna have to wait as long as i thought but i didn't know that at the time so i'm like eight cars deep and there's things happening in my stomach right now that i hope never happens again and we all do it okay let's just say I, i've got a gas bubble and, and a it little is, bit
0: of nerves you know it's your
1: first natural it's, bit Oh, it's bubble guts. It's straight up bubble guts. And I'm nervous. So it's starting to, it's creating pain. So, you know, the only natural thing to do, and it's its how we're built. So it ain't like I'm, you know, dirty guy. I just, I go on and do it. I do what I got to do. And it let out as foul a smell as I have ever smelled in my life. It was making noise, so to speak, before I was through doing it. Okay. It was... It was peeling the paint off the car. It was the awfulest thing I've ever done in my life. And again, hope to never do it again. Haven't duplicated it to this point. Well, as that's all happening in my body, an elderly gentleman, I guess he was in charge of Superstock. I don't know why it happened. Still don't know why. Steps out from in front of the line and points at me, the very last guy in line, and waves me to the front. You know, I've just gotten a free pass to the front of the line that I do not want. (laughs) <laughs> and this is one of those times when you were lucky, but I didn't want to be lucky right now, but I still haven't really been through a tech thing. So I, you know, maybe you don't look in the car. Like I said, I, I think you could launch a space shuttle out of Woody super It had more lights and switches and gadgets in it. And I'm like, this car can't be legal. So maybe I maybe they just kick me out and I get to go watch the rest of the week. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I fire up and drive to the front. Now, keep in mind that something that foul, Is it's got really some real staying power. It's just going to hang around there for a little while. This one ain't leaving anytime soon. This one's going to hang out with me for a while. So I roll up to the front of the line. I jump out as fast as I can and close the door. And my elderly guy there, really nice gentleman says, "Uh, where's Woody? Woody said well sir he's back at the truck and uh, he's he's brought me in to drive this weekend he and Sherman and um, I'm a rookie here I don't really know what to do he said well young man there ain't nothing to this he said you pop that hood and that deck lid and uh, he said we'll get this done real quick so I was like okay that sounds real good so I open the door as fast as I can and pop everything as fast as I can and close it as fast as I can and as I'm walking back to the front of the car just kind of stand there with him he passes me and he's grabbing the door handle and i'm i'm like i wanted to say sir please don't do that. if i if you've got to open that for me to pass tech just please tell me now and and we'll call this whole thing off oh my flight leaves in a couple of days so he grabs a hold of that door and opens it and and starts to stick his head in the car luke and he was a really nice guy. So I'm not going to judge him by this moment, but <laughs> he, he said one word, he said, damn, <laughs> shut the door as hard as he could. <laughs> and I'm speechless for once in my life. I didn't I couldn't say anything. I couldn't say a word to him. And he said, he wrote like a weight on a little white sticker and he put it on my window. And he said, here, take this, this, and this, and go here, here, and here, and you're done. I said, that, that's it, sir? He said, son, that's it. You're done. Head on out. <laughs> so I showed <laughs> everything. And when I got back in the car, you know, it ain't much, not much time passed. When I got back in the car, I mean, I obviously knew why he said what he said. So I muscled up and jumped in there and rode back to, to my pit. And so I've been gone four minutes total. I'm at the Gators and I'm late for tech, according to Woody. I've been gone four minutes total. When I get back, Woody meets me at the car and and calls me things that I wouldn't let a grown man call me, but I'm a little nervous, so I'm just taking it. And I'm you know, the dip spit, it's it's flying in my it's flying in my face. I'm dipping with him at this point. He's trying to spit it all out in the middle of it, but he ain't getting it all. I'm I'm eating some of it. And he says, what end up are you doing? I told you, you stupid go to tech and you we're going to miss our run. Woody, Woody, I've been, I, I've got all that. No way. There ain't no way in hell. You've got to tech and got back here this fast. I said, Woody, there's a white sticker. He just put a sticker and hand me all this paper and he put my weight and he said, you're good. And, and he said, how did you do that? I said, stick your head in that driver's seat right there and you'll figure it out real quick. <laughs> and I walked to the front of the car and threw up. I was so sick and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and that is my funny story about passing tech at the Gators where I laid Michael Icono down a triple zero on my first ever national event round race. So, so the moral
0: of this story is if you've got something questionable going through tech, we now know.
1: I know the secret. <laughs> I know the secret. You know, they, you may run up on a tough guy that can take it. Oh, I knew there was a reason I went first. Okay.
0: Good, good that's, stuff. That's good stuff. Good take.
1: All right, guys, that wraps up one year of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. I want to say thanks to all the sponsors, Racing RVs. This is Bracket Racing, Siebert Performance, Alliance Racewear, uh, Buyer Jewelers, Racer Swag, BTE, APD, and Flow Fast. You guys have been a huge part of putting the show together, and we thank you for that. I want to say thanks to every guest that we've had over the one-year period, Luke. It's, it's been a star-studded group, and We've had a lot of wonderful guests on the show, and we're we're thankful for each and every one of those, uh, certainly PJ. North, for all the music that he's uh, selfishly put together for us and helped the show uh, be what it is. And our assistant, Mark Romeo has been a great addition to the team, a guy that's truly invested in the show and cares a lot about the product that we're putting out. Thank you, Mark. Mark's a, another good friend of mine, a good foot break, great footbreak racer. so I'm glad to have him involved. Uh, R.J. Basilio doing the editing that um, it was really a challenge for you to try to fit in your schedule and all that. And R.J. is just amazing, uh, puts the show together really, really well. Uh, thank you, R.J., for everything you do. And, of course, you, the listeners. Um, again, hard to believe that you sit and listen to us. Uh, gas bag as Luke would say for a year, but uh we, we appreciate you guys very much. Um, without you wouldn't be a show. So
0: Yeah, let me let me interrupt you Jed. there, Big Jed, I'm pretty do. sure that, that was just a, a, a little um misspoken uh, PJ North did not selfishly put together all the music for our show. Like, he selflessly put together all the music. Uh, did I for say Russia. selfish? I'm pretty sure that's the way that I went on. That, that footage just made the bloopers, but I thought I'd just oh. pipe in here. And on a personal level, um, yeah, you guys don't realize that the unsung hero with this show this show is RJ Basillo. Um, <laughs> he is, I call him, a lyrical genius, and he makes this uh, listenable if that's a word
1: yeah, it is now uh, and I apologize PJ didn't do it selfishly it was selflessly so I just uh mess, mess my words up there but uh that's no uh nothing new for you guys as you know, so I'm filling the blooper reel every week but um and Luke this is not in the notes but I definitely want to say thanks to you uh this has been your idea your vision And you put it all together and for some reason asked me to come along the ride with you. I really ain't sure why you did that. Still don't know, but I'm glad you did. I appreciate you bringing me along and I've had a blast working with you this year. And Although I felt like I know you pretty well and we were pretty close, uh, I think I've gotten to know you just a little bit better and it's been a lot of fun. as uh as you guys know we do the show every week we have done it every week we haven't missed one in the calendar year just like we promised you or not in the calendar year but in a 52 week span just like we promised you and uh, we've delivered and we appreciate you coming in and and tuning us in every week it's been awesome and uh, we definitely hope you stay tuned the show is uh, getting some changes for year number two and luke and mark and, and me just a little bit are working on that to make it uh, as best we can for you and i um, looking forward to seeing those changes take place and we think you the listener are going to enjoy it as well.
0: Yeah, do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, you can do that on whatever form of media you are accessing accessing us now. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and on Stitcher. Tell your friends about the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. That's the easiest way for us to grow within the racing community. And get your track involved. We would love to be broadcast over the PA during downtime, parking time, things like that. Um, let us hear from you. Get involved in the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. You can contact us through our Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page you can touch base with us on twitter i'm at luke Bogacki. the big guy is at jp11x and jed i did not plan on getting all sappy here um but thank you as well this has been a lot of fun um going back over the last year so like you said getting to know each other even a little bit better and uh, you give me way too much credit on this deal i would not attempt to do this without you and uh, really appreciate you being on here with us big guy
1: it's been my pleasure, my friend. Look forward to another whatever time we got, year, 10 years, whatever it is. I'm 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 looking forward to the ride. So thank you, listeners. We appreciate you helping us uh, make it to a year, and we look forward to many more.
0: Absolutely. We'll see you guys next week. Banging on
2: the door, bump, bump, bump until I get in it. Attitude like I am already winning.
0: Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. I use Portatree products personally. That was not good. Today's podcast is presented in part by Portatree. I use Portatree products personally to help me become the best racer that I can be. From the pocket pal to a full-size national event tree, Portatree has quality products designed to meet our needs. Portatree products are the perfect gift for the racer in your family. Use promo code JINGLE10 to receive a 10% discount on all orders through December.
1: In addition, today's podcast is brought to you by the KNN Spring Fling Million. Huge news for the 2018 Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas. Peter and Kyle have upped the ante once again. They have doubled the main event guaranteed purse. The winner will now be guaranteed $200,000 at a minimum and can only go up from there. Not to mention... Raising the surrounding races for thirty K. No, that didn't sound good at all. I said four and that was In addition, today's podcast is presented by K and N I wanted to say the third annual. Can I just start mine over? Yours is good.